Hey gang, good to be back here with you again today. It's been um, it's been a few weeks. It's been three weeks since I was with you last. I mean, we've missed two Tuesdays, but uh, uh, because I've been gone, the last two Tuesdays I was actually uh, in San Diego uh, for the Here We Still Stand 2018 conference, which was absolutely amazing. I think anybody uh, who is watching today could testify to that. It was really a lot of fun with a lot of great theology and a lot of great conversation and a lot of great food. I had the best tacos I've ever had in my entire life, which is saying something because I'm a Southern California native, but I did find the pinnacle, the best ever, uh, Tacos El Gordo. Thank you again, Joel Fitzpatrick, my good friend and fellow taco lover, although in and out hater, you can't win them all. Uh, so today, gang, we are um, we're back at it, back in the saddle again. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about uh, essentially the old nature versus the new nature. Um, good morning, Brian. Good morning, Bonnie. Uh, so what is what is the old nature versus the new nature? Well, this is what was referred to. Um, it really depends on the tradition you're in, actually. Um, so some traditions will say basically that uh, we only have one nature. Uh, so you get something, so a guy like Pelagius, uh, who says our nature naturally is, um, you know, is not not that bad. And if we really put our mind to it, you know, and you know we're the little engine that could, we can eventually climb that hill. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Whitney. Um, and of course, there was others in church history who said, no, 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 the Bible is very clear that, that our natural proclivity, our nature is not good. It's, not, it's, it's born sinful. And so we're not doing the things that we, uh, it, we don't just naturally do it. And even if we try hard, we won't do it. Good morning, William. Um, and so, so some said, uh, and I think this is probably the majority view still today, the most common view is to see, is to look at life and say, uh, as a Christian, you were once this, and now you are a new creation, and therefore you are not the old anymore. Ah, but, but Luther's chief insight, based on passages like Romans 7 and Galatians chapter 5, and even passages like this, was to note that the Bible speaks of the Christian life as being really a battle, a battle between the old nature and the new nature. So Galatians calls it the battle between the flesh and the spirit. So that fleshly nature uh, is still there. It's still present. Um, and there's a battle going on. Romans 7 describes it in really great detail. I mean, it, Luther's insight basically came from those two passages and then just an honest enough conscience that he couldn't lie to himself about the existence of a struggle with real sin. And I think oftentimes in many traditions that emphasize that you're a new creation and you are not a sinner anymore, which is very common in the evangelical church today, uh, what you end up having to do is you either end up having to redefine sin, you have to make sin less sinful, or you have to sort of qualify it. Well, that's not really that bad of a sin. This is sort of what Wesley ended up doing with, um, in Methodism uh, with his doctrine of perfection, he had to kind of lessen sin. Um, and, or you, you end up uh, simply 
uh, lying to yourself about what sin is. So if you don't lessen it, then you just go, no, 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 I'm not, no, I don't. And you're, you're utterly shocked if you find yourself giving into a temptation that you, I mean, you certainly thought, you know, you had defeated that the new creation would never do. So Luther's insight was, look, we're, there's this battle raging. There's a battle going on between the old and the new. And Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, I think highlights that quite well. So, so let's read it uh, now. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you might no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning, Richard. I didn't see who else was there. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. End of reading. So, that's quite a mouthful. And Paul is giving quite a few commands to this church in Ephesus. Uh, what does that tell you? Well, first of all, uh, I think what this tells you is that the Christian life is a life of repentance. Uh, in other words, it's very uh, similar to what Luther said really all over his 95 Thesis statement, but the very first one, he says all of life is, all of the Christian life is repentance. Every day is repenting. Uh, and so that really, you see that throughout here, and the reason I point that out is because uh, if Paul was writing to a crowd of churchgoers that did no longer struggle with sin, they were new creations after all, then he wouldn't have to write anything that he just wrote. As a matter of fact, he wouldn't have to write most of the letters he wrote, which were dealing with problems in the church because the church was full of sinners. Full of sinners that were not acting in step with who they were called to be as Christians, were not acting in love toward their neighbor, but were acting in selfishness. And this doesn't take long to start in the history of the church. You can see it right in the beginning of the book of Acts, when already there is favoritism being shown between uh, those who have a Hebrew lineage and those who have a Hellenistic lineage. 
uh, and so on and so forth, so on and so forth. So, um, so Paul has to write this to new creation Christians because they are struggling with this kind of stuff. They are real sinners. Now, there's four adjectives. Um, <clears throat> the, there's four adjectives that uh, Paul uses to describe the old man or the old nature. Uh, the first word he uses in the passage is hardened. And the Greek word for hardened found in verse 18 is actually the word we would use in English today for petrified. Now, I don't know if you've ever found a piece of petrified wood if you've been walking in the forest, but uh, what stands out about it is, of course, that it's as hard as a stone, and yet it wasn't always that way. It's hardened due to falling from the tree. So, too, our heart's natural state is petrified. It's fallen away from the tree of life, so to speak, the vine, as it were, Jesus Christ. And since the fall of our first parents, human beings' natures have been born without the spiritual nutrients to remain fleshy. And so the natural man's heart is callous to the things of God. Second way, second word he uses is ignorant or unenlightened. Uh, without knowledge, the natural man does not have proper knowledge of God and is therefore, biblically speaking, uh, defined as a fool. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but the Bible is clear. Proverbs 1 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Third thing, very similar, darkened is a word Paul uses. Darkened in their understanding. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk in the pitch dark. Um, it doesn't happen too often when I'm out in New York City. There's no such thing as pitch dark in New York City because lights are on everywhere all the time. But... I have had many times, um, especially when I've been out in the Midwest and I've been in small town Minnesota, if you drive out of town five minutes and you get out of the car, I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face often. This is the way Paul says the old nature is, that you're sort of, you're walking in the dark and you're stumbling. You can't see beneath you, you can't see in front of you, you can't see behind you, you can't see anything. John 3.19 says, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And this has resulted in being alienated from the life of God. That's what Paul says. So Paul says, natural person is estranged from the life of God, isolated between them. So, okay, so what, what does that result in? Well, there's behaviors that come out of that. There's fruit that comes out of this sort of, um, this, this old nature. And a number of them are summed up here. Uh, licentious, you have basically two sides of the same coin, though. Uh, number one, you have licentious living. And Romans 1 describes that. Um, it, it actually says in Romans 1, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's what Ephesians says. Romans 1 describes that in pretty gory detail. Saying of the old nature... Quote, it is filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I love the fact that Paul even, just to make sure you understand, he's including everybody, says they're disobedient to parents. 
because everybody is included in this list of sinful old nature people. But then there's the other side of the same coin. So there's the licentious living that comes out of the old nature, but then there's the there's what's reported in Romans 2, and that is what's known as legalism. And that's the old nature. It, it oftentimes is even more drawn to that. Uh, they're drawn to legalism or good works. And this is the explanation for all the other religions out there that teach in some way that the way we get right with God is by following our conscience, God's law written on our hearts. And frankly, we're naturally way more comfortable with this behavior. Legalists tend to make good neighbors. They watch out for crime. Oh boy, do they ever watch out for crime. Uh, and they make sure to pay their taxes. Since the legalist appears to follow the rules, we really don't see the need for their old nature to be put off as much. We actually might kind of like it. But don't be fooled. Isaiah very clearly says that even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before God. And so it was for the legalists, the ones who seem to be the most put together and the most obedient, that Jesus reserves his harshest criticism and judgment. Why? Because the legalists can almost never see their dire and desperate need for the grace of God. See, God, when he comes to us, doesn't call us to merely repent of our bad works. He calls us to repent of our good works. He calls us to repent of all of our works. The legalist and the licentious, dirty criminal are two sides of the same heart, so to speak. And Gerhard Ferdy puts it this way. The sinner, quote, is addicted either to what is base or to what is high, either to lawlessness or to lawfulness. Theologically, there is not any difference since both break the relationship to God as the giver. So, that is the old nature. That is what we are called to put off, and yet it is something that we struggle against every single day. So what does Paul say? Paul says, put on the new person. Put on the new person. It's an act, it's a life, it's a, it's a life of receiving, really. Um, Paul mentions it first. He says, you learned Christ, were taught in him, taught in him as the truth in him. The word is preached, you hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection in your place, and you find yourself believing what you're hearing to be true. This is how, this is how the new man is put on. The word comes, preaches, faith is created, and a new creation is put on. Faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Next, it says in verse 24, you are created in God's image in righteousness, in holiness, through this hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has declared you a new creation, declared you righteous and holy in the sight of God through faith in Jesus. And I very purposely use the word declare because oftentimes we want to use the word makes. But I got to tell you, when we use the word makes, it implies that that's something that, we're act, that we actually are living out right now. But no, God looks at us through the lens of Jesus Christ and says, I declare you to be that, even though our reality is that we're still this mix of sinner and saint fighting it out every day.
So, um, thirdly, verse 32, after we, uh, after, so God comes to us through his word, he calls us a new creation, declares us righteous and holy, we're forgiven, that's what Paul says, the new nature, comes the new nature. Um, we're no longer uh, defined by our sins, by our old failures. You are completely forgiven in Christ, no longer bound to your past. And then finally, in verse 30, he tells us that along with all this good news that we receive in the new nature, we also are, quote, sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Not only are you saved now, forgiven now, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence within you, and that means you'll be saved forever in heaven. Now, a seal in those days was usually a tattoo placed on a slave or a brand placed on, a, on an animal, but it signified, of course, ownership. Somebody would see the seal and know who the owner was. What's the point of Paul using that word to describe what the Holy Spirit has done to us? You have been bought by God, owned by God. The Holy Spirit is the down payment until Jesus comes again to claim you finally as his own forever and ever. So what comes out of that new nature? Uh, well, first, it, our, our minds are renewed, verse 23. And the idea behind it is that uh, there's a continuous renewal. It's not just a one-time thing. So we have to stop thinking about conversion as being this like moment where we went, boom, everything, I was this, and now I'm this, and everything is different. No, no, no. The life of the Christian is really cyclical. It really is. Every day begins with repentance and faith because every day I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. Every day I need to be reminded I am still a forgiven new creation in the sight of God through Jesus Christ. So every day begins this process. You know, we think of it this way. This is the way we think of it. We start here and then we just up, 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 up all the way to heaven. No, it's more like, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's stumbling <laughs> and it's hitting the dips and the valleys and the rolls and, but it's, God is doing his work through us. You know, my, my favorite illustration of the Christian life is just an older man falling on an escalator and being dragged up the escalator. And the, t the caption simply says sanctification. Like, yes, that is the most biblical picture I can think of to describe the Christian life. All right, so when God's sanctifying us, I got to wrap this up. I'm getting too too amped up about this whole topic, and I've been talking for way too long. Uh, here's some things that come out of the new nature: honesty, self-control, hard work. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Um, generous generosity is something that comes flows out of the new nature encouragement notice these things all these things not bitter but forgiving all the things that come out of the new nature here's the big takeaway for you um they're not about you so the new nature now is instead of being focused on your belly button and how clean it is and whether everything is just right with you you're, you're finally free enough because Jesus has declared you a new creation and you know that you're sealed for the day of redemption no matter what, that you're able for the first time to actually look at your neighbor and just say, how can I serve? What, what can I do? 
And then God says, well, I, I've given you a desire to do this, and I've given you passion to do this, and I've given you gifts to do this. But use that. Do that. Say, it's that simple? Yes, it's that simple. It becomes about your neighbor. Your life gets focused on the other rather than focused on how good or bad you are doing or how much you are progressing up the ladder of righteousness. No, no, no. You progress up the ladder of righteousness as you go downward into the mess of your neighbor's life. That's, that's the way God works. I mean, it, it's good, it, sanctification is going down. It's not going up. And God, through that daily life of repentance and faith, the battle of the old and the new nature, God is, uh, is ultimately working in you so that your neighbor is served. So, all right, there's a lot, a lot that we could say there, and there's a lot more that I could say, but that'll do it for today. May you live out of the freedom that God has given you, as a new creation in Christ Jesus, completely, totally forgiven, sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Amen.